0: It's uh, a blessing to be here. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, God is so amazing. So amazing. Um, so let us bow. Father God, we come to you right now just saying thank you, Lord. We just want to say thank you. Before we ask for anything, we just say thank you. We thank you for allowing us to be here at this appointed time. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, which has kept and sustained us, Father God. And right now, as I come to bring your word, Father God, I ask that you would put your words in my mouth, Father God, that you would put your words in my mouth, Father God, that I would only speak as you would have me to speak, Father God. Use me as you see fit this morning, Father God. And again, I ask that you move me completely out of the way, Father God, that your people will be edified and you ultimately glorified, Father God. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited Uh, this word has blown my mind um, in a good way Um, and so let's go ahead and get into the text and so earlier we read and we're going to go we're in the book of uh, Romans chapter one verses one through four and it says Paul a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures. Regarding his son, who is who as his earthly life was a descendant of David and through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so just kind of recapping last week, pastor talked about uh, the primary letter, right? The primary purpose of this letter was to minister to the believers at Rome. That was a primary focus for this letter to ensure the understanding of the gospel. It was said that uh, in in the previous week before that, that nine out of ten of these believers, nine out of ten of these folks in Rome were slaves. Nine out of ten. And see, what I found amazing was like in the beginning, in in this text, when Paul introduces himself as a slave, right, as a slave to his audience, that would have resonated with them. The word doulos, uh, my friend... um, and ministry, uh, some of you may know Alvin Motley, aka Israel. Uh, he's in a group called Everyday Process. And uh, his, his counterpart, his brother, his name is his, his rap name, if you will, is Mac the Dulos. And I remember when I was younger, I looked at that, I looked up the name, I was like, Mac the Doulos. Like, that's, it just sound cool, right? Mac the Dulos. But then as I did the research and learned, it meant that it was to be a slave. So this gospel rapper was calling himself a slave of Christ. Mac the Doulos. Paul Paul shares that he was a slave to Christ, property of God. Y'all remember Kurt Franklin, GP, yo, you whip man. Oh now y'all don't remember that. Okay. Right? So, oh yeah, me and the church ain't going nowhere. God's property. Paul was aligning himself and, and committing himself to being God's property. Paul was committed to the believers at Rome and Pastor talked about as an apostle, as an apostle, um, there's a a commitment. It's going to require a commitment. And we know as being a servant, many of us, if you have friends, if you have family, you have children, it requires a commitment. It requires a commitment of being a father, thinking about uh, sometimes you got to change dirty diapers. Amen, Matt, you got three of them, amen, three of them. And so sometimes of being a servant, you're going to get dirty. And so Paul was committed to being dirty, to getting dirty. We know that being an apostle uh, is going to cost time, energy, inconvenience, and sacrifice. But Paul was specifically selected and chosen to be an apostle. Paul was specifically chosen and selected to be an apostle, despite his past. Despite his past. So, I don't know about you, but that's encouraging. That despite his past, he was still selected and chosen to be an apostle. See, too often, we let our past hinder us, instead of of propelling us forward. Say it again. Too often, we allow our past to hinder us, instead of allowing it to propel us forward, Matt. Because we get so caught up in looking back and what was and what could have been that we don't keep our eyes on Christ and where he's calling us to be. And so Paul, right, who was Saul, didn't allow that to hinder him. He didn't allow his past to stop him from doing what God had called him to do. Amen. And so I don't know about you, but I found I find encouragement from that. As pastor said, Paul's past framed But did not constrain what God wanted to do with him. As I shared before that uh, too often, too often, if we're not careful, our futures, our goals, our aspirations, the thing that God is calling us to do can be hindered. They can turn those dreams and aspirations can turn into a pillar of salt. And we learned that through Lot's wife. She was given specific instructions, Aaron, to not look back. To not look back at what God was doing behind them and what happened to her. She turned into a pillar of salt. And so just like many of us, if we spend too much time looking back at what we did, right? Instead of what he did, mm, Pastor reminded us that we are more than the worst thing that we have ever done. I don't know about you, but I needed to hear that. Paul, you are more than the worst thing you've ever done. Nathan, you are more than the worst thing you've ever done. And I've done some bad things. As Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. But you are more than the worst thing you've ever done. Paul did not allow his past Saul to hinder his Paul. Paul did not allow his past Saul to hinder his Paul. This was a heavy lift, Pastor, and I thank you for the opportunity to preach this morning. As uh, we get into our title this morning, it's God's Purpose, a God of Purpose. Our title is a God of Purpose. See, this is a, it was a heavy text, but with me, it was impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. Considering the text, a God of Purpose, let us begin by looking at how God orchestrated your life. Let's just park there for a moment. Let's stay there for a moment. Look at how God is orchestrating, directing, coordinating your life. Right now, from behind the scenes, God is orchestrating and moving things where they need to be. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm so glad that God is coordinating my life. Even when I don't see it. And see, that's part of the problem is too often we want to be in control. We want to know how this is going to work out for our good. We want to know why this trial has come to our life. But God, in in this text in this, was the same author who says that God works out everything for your good. Some of you will watch this and think that it's a coincidence that you landed here and that I'm talking about a God of purpose and you were just thinking about how, you know, you were trying to get your life in order and you need some purpose in your life. It is no coincidence. It's not by accident, Matt, that you're here. It's not by coincidence you're here, Rachel. It's, it's a point in time. God has already went in, right? God, yesterday, already said tomorrow, this is what's going to happen. This is no surprise to us. I mean, hey, everybody, I didn't know you was going to be here. That's a surprise to me. But God said, I already knew. I already knew. So, in the text today, Paul makes it very clear that God had a purpose from the beginning to save his people. Purpose, the reason, as we look at the word purpose, the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Read that one more time. Purpose, the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. I pray this, this blows your minds away and blew mine. This text, uh, again, just looking at the surface can seem uh, rather, oh, that sounds good, right? He, he just, he, he rose, his, uh, the apostle, right? God called to be apostle, set apart. That sounds great. At first glance, but starting at verse one and two, right, and I'm going to read the verse, uh, first verse for the, for the flow. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set part for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Now we are about to get into it. Starting in verse one, we see that God had promised this gospel before Paul was even on the scene. Paul reaches back and says that this gospel was promised beforehand. Through the prophets and the Holy Scriptures. The word gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion. Euangelion, which means good news. And in the Old Testament, the Hebrews used the word for good news, betsara. Betsara, meaning good, the good news. Right? So God has been sharing good news since the Old Testament. Betsara, since the Old Testament. God has been saying, there's going to be good news that is coming. God promised good news through the prophets in the holy scriptures. Again, this is why we have to look at We have to study. We have to wrestle with scripture. Pastor, as I looked at the word holy in this text, it says that it comes from the word hagios, which means pure and sacred. So as we look at the scripture now, again, this blew my mind. It says that the prophets through the holy scriptures, through what? The sacred scriptures. Through the pure scriptures. Yes, Paul is about to take the believers at Rome and us, too, on a journey through history. Also, no pastor share with us again. The primary point of this letter was what? To what? Minister to the believers at Rome. To minister to the believers at Rome. At first glance, this seems like no big deal, right? Paul simply says the gospel. He got promised beforehand through this prophets in the Holy Scripture. Sounds very, uh, we, we can read text and that sometimes as we continue to read and read, things can become watered down for us. Like, oh, that, just, that sounds good. But in order to really appreciate, to value, to grasp, to comprehend what Paul was saying, we have to look deeper. We have to look closer. Because as we look closer into scripture, as we look closer into this letter that Paul has, was writing to the, to the believers at Rome, we will see the indicators of Christ through the Old Testament scriptures. We will see that He's making a connection. He's coordinating the scriptures so that they understand that this Christ who I'm talking about is no average person, He's no ordinary prophet. This is the one that you have been waiting on. So I challenge you, just like me, I challenge you to be like the Bereans. If you've read the book of Acts chapter 17 verse 11, it says, now the Bereans, Berean Jews were of more more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now I challenge you to be like the Bereans. What, what, What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that in order for us to really grasp and comprehend and appreciate the Word of God we must be like the Bereans who when Paul was preaching they were listening and taking the word and looking for themselves amen is this is he making this up as I see my sister right there open her word and say let me see for myself let me examine for myself and so Paul I want to charge us this morning myself included to be like the Bereans is Nate is he is he accurate Read Acts 17, 11. As we get back into the text, we may, let's get like the Bereans right now. Getting back to the text, it says, promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Let's go to Genesis. In the beginning, in the beginning, we see that uh, uh, Moses, in the beginning we see Moses was a uh, uh, symbology. He was this person who was representing a, a prophet. He was representing God's message like Christ. So we go back to this prophet. Remember, the text that we're focusing on, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets. Moses was one of the prophets. Go to Deuteronomy 18, 15. We can see one of the prophecies of the one to come. So again, Paul is getting the believers to look back because they would this would have resonated with them because they had been waiting on a messiah. So we can go to, uh, what about Noah? He was another one, another prophet, Noah and the ark, right? And many say that the, that the ark was a symbolic of, of Christ and how he would come and save his people. But guess what? All he, everyone, didn't, no one listened to Noah, right? No one listened to him. So when we think about this message, we can look back at, they had been, uh, been told, they had been told that someone was coming, Abraham. In Genesis Genesis 22:18, Judah in Genesis 49:10. God uses these prophets in the Holy Scriptures. 2nd Samuel 7:12 to 13. We talk about David. Isaiah 7:14. Another prophet, Jeremiah 31:15. Again, you have to get into this text to see how amazing and God, we're talking about a God of purpose. I want to go back to that. I want to emphasize that a little bit more. We are talking about a God of purpose. Why is this significant? Why is this important? Because God was From the beginning, orchestrating and coordinating and making sure that we, his people, his children, would have access to him. That's how much he loved us. And so, as Matt, as you were praying about, Lord, thank you. Because all that you do, regardless of what is going on, you're in control. Regardless of what you do, you're in control. A God of purpose. Paul jumps into this letter proclaiming the good news, the euangelion. But this news was different. This wasn't just a regular uh, person that he was talking about. This wasn't just regular news. This news was about a specific and very unique son, a very unique prophet who was coming. Paul is speaking to about Jesus' life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. So we can conclude from these four verses that the gospel, the euangelion, the good news is about the life and death and burial, res- and, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's go to verse 3. Verse 3. Regarding his son, who as his earthly life was a descendant of David. Why does the scripture tell us that? Why does scripture tell us that? As so we start thinking about who Christ is, again, walk with me. Look at how God, through, through, through uh, Paul, was taking the believers on a journey and giving them context regarding his son, who as his earthly father was a descendant of David. If you go to Matthew 17, right, we have to, let's first go back to the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel 7, 12-13, it says uh, the prophet was told, this is talking about David, he says, when your days are over and you, are rest, uh, when you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish a throne of his kingdom forever. So, why is this important? Because as we think about who Jesus is, we have, then we go to Matthew 1. And I'll let you read this, Matthew 1, verses 1-17, through 17, the genealogy of Jesus. The genealogy of Jesus. Where it talks about who Jesus was, and how he came through the lineage of King David which then fulfills the prophecy that Paul is talking about, right? And so the believers would have understood, these people would have understood oh so you're telling me that when King David made reference of this king who was coming, who would sit on the throne forever he was talking about Christ It's amazing a God of purpose there was purpose to the genealogy of Jesus meaning that As far as his uh, and it talks about as far as his human concern, this expression implies that our Lord is more than a man. In other words, if Christ was only a man, it would be unnecessary to single out this feature of being of being. But since he was more than a man, it's made mention in this text as his earthly right as his earthly life. Remember, we are focusing on a God of purpose. God has done everything from the beginning of time with purpose. As we look at these three verses, we can't uh, help but see God's purpose working in and through the uh, through Paul's letter. The people have been waiting on a king who would come and reign forever. Paul is connecting the dots for the believers. Paul is ensuring that he is the one that they have been waiting on, the Messiah, the one that was promised long ago. The Holy Spirit gave me this uh, other example. I'm going to go through real uh, quickly. Is that As we think about this scripture and how Paul is is meeting the the, the Roman believers where they are. He's meeting them where they are, right? And we think about how they were slaves and we think about um, he was connecting the dots. The Holy Spirit gave me this analogy of uh, a sketch artist, right? Uh, A sketch artist uh, helps, you know, maybe sometimes find a bad guy or maybe they're looking to find a a missing child, right? And so what they need is as I was doing history Paul, I was doing my research and I looked up how do sketch artists, how do you get into this work? What do you have to do? They said, as a sketch artist, one of their primary jobs is to gain evidence on what it is that they're looking for. And they do that. The one of the, the key components is to have a eyewitness, It's to have an eyewitness. Right. And so then after that, they start building rapport. They build rapport to have an eyewitness. Then they build rapport with that eyewitness to help jog their memory. And one of the last things that they do is they use, uh, as we know, so if you're, if, let's say we're talking about a bad guy, right, maybe there was a mugging or something like that, what they would do is show mug shots, they would show pictures of other bad guys to see if these people fit the description, and so when I started thinking about this scripture, it's almost as if God, were, I mean, Paul was using this scripture, right, as he was a sketch artist, he was sketching this picture, using this, he was an eyewitness, remember, Paul, on his way to Damascus, had met Christ himself, And so now he's using, right, the old scriptures as evidence to jog their memory, to jog their memory so that they can see that this Christ was no ordinary man. Follow me, Paul was jogging his audience's memory about what was promised through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures as we start to go home. Uh, Verse four, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. As we begin to bring it home, I want to emphasize again that we serve a God of purpose, a God of purpose. Paul's life was tailored specifically to align to God's purpose, even his past. Amen. I don't know who needs to hear that. I know I need to hear that, that even my past, God had used even my past, the things that I've been through, even when I was actually intentionally rebellion, rebelling against God, he used those things for my good. So Paul's life was specifically tailored to meet God's purpose. Because like Paul, I too was walking in ignorance and I'm so glad that ignorance of purpose does not cancel purpose. Amen? Ignorance of purpose does not cancel purpose. There was times like you may have been like me where I was intentionally going against what God was calling me to do, but it didn't cancel me. Amen? Amen. Going back to the sketch artist analogy, Paul continues to sketch a picture for his audience both for them and us for, uh, uh, for us now. The last verse can be a little tricky because the Bible has been translated, right? So if you, you read it, it kind of, it as I was looking at it, I was like, Lord, that, that really doesn't make sense. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. And so then I looked at the message version, which does a pretty good job of translating. So I'll read an excerpt from there. It says that, looking at verse four, his unique identity as, God, as the son of God was shown by the Spirit when Jesus was raised from the dead setting him apart as the Messiah. In verse four, there were some words that jumped out to me. It made the last verse way more, more uh, sweet, uh, almost even delicious, if you will. In the verse four, we see the word power comes from the Greek word dunamis, which means strength or abundant in power. Then we see the word resurrection. In Greek comes from the word anarepo, which means to overturn or to overthrow. In verse four, we see that Jesus Christ that euangelium, right? Remember that gospel, the good news, his, his, his death, burial, and resurrection. And we look at this word dunamis. The word dunamis full of power. Has resurrected, overturned or overthrown death. And a repo. Jesus stands in the gap for us. What we deserve is death. But Jesus took on that punishment for us and died and then rose. Jesus took on what we should have received. But in his resurrection, Jesus completes the mission that God had put him on. Verse, uh, if you go to um, in one of the Gospels, it says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. In the, uh, and so we, as we look at this last verse, and Jesus was proclaimed to have abundant power and was able to overthrow death. I don't think we understand that Jesus went from death to life. Death to life. As we come to a close, Jesus went from death to life. As we look a little bit more closer in the text, it says that Jesus literally, literally overthrew. Some even say the word Anaripo can mean destroy. So Jesus, in his abundant power, overthrew death, Matt. Overthrew it. Destroyed it so that we can enjoy life. As we look at this text, Jesus went from death to life. No matter how good the, uh, uh, the, the past kings, the reigns of uh, the kings of Israel, no matter how great they were, no matter how great their reign was, their reign came to an end. But we see here within the text that this king, this gospel, this euangelion that Paul was talking about in this king, he was going to reign forever. So in order for him to to bring it home, he had to make sure that they understood that this is the one that they were waiting on. So he brings it home by saying that uh, uh, Paul says that, and through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God by power, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord it's a reminder that it doesn't matter your situation it doesn't matter your situation Christ died for you Christ died for you it doesn't matter if you're arrogant you're cocky, you're an addict, you're a drug dealer Christ died for you and he can overturn your situation he can over he can make your situation of death come into life he says I came to not to give to give you life and to give you life abundantly The God of purpose did all of this for you. Insert your name. For Matt, he did it for you. Paul, he did it for you. Pastor, he did it for you. So we serve a God of purpose. I don't know about you, but again, I challenge you to be like the Bereans. Amen? Amen. A God of purpose. God bless you all. Amen.